grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon.
For this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, hard to think that this is the last Sunday in the church here when we are so much um, always mind on the present calendar that goes from January to December. We haven't even gotten to Thanksgiving, we haven't even gotten to Christmas, and now we're talking about the last Sunday of the church here. For some reason, it just doesn't seem right. But as many of you know, I'm passionate about the church here. Because the whole entire church here, even with the chosen text for each Sunday, and, and all their unique themes, always center in Jesus Christ. And in fact, the whole church here can be divided into two parts. There's what we call the festival half and the non-festival half. The festival half actually begins next Sunday. For the first Sunday of the new year is the first Sunday in Advent. And that will be the first Sunday of the four Sundays before Christmas. Yes, Christmas is soon at hand. And in addition to that, the entire festival half of the church here emphasizes always on the life of Jesus, who he is and what he has done for us. When we come to the Sunday of Pentecost, which is usually around May, then we start entering into what's called the non-festival half of the church here. And that has the emphasis on the life of the Christian in Christ Jesus. And there can be all many different kinds of themes, but it ends with this particular Sunday, this non-festival half, with what is called Christ the King Sunday. Now I have preached on these words uh, probably hundreds of times from the Gospel of John, and I will preach on them hundreds of times more. Because these words, as it ends our church here, reminds us of the beginning new year, and especially of Christmas itself. You see, my friends, is the babe of Bethlehem is not simply a celebration of a baby. It's a celebration of the fact that that child is Christ the King. Christ meaning anointed one, the Old Testament word being Messiah, and, and of course Jesus came to carry out the work as Savior by fulfilling the offices of prophet, priest, and king. And when it comes to his being king, to Jesus being king, we're going to let Jesus speak for himself as he explains what king and kingdom is before the governor, Pontius Pilate. After Jesus was captured, he was taken before the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin questioned him, even had false witnesses present. And they even spit at him and beat on him and, and made fun of him and mocked him. And finally, Caiaphas would ask the question, are you the son of the blessed one? And Jesus would reply that I am. Then right away, the screams in, in the hall were blasphemy, blasphemy. He is worthy of death. 
And the very early the next morning, they take him to the governor Pontius Pilate. But they couldn't go to Pilate to tell him that uh, he claims to be the son of God. And they couldn't say that because of blasphemy, he was worthy of death because Pilate was not a Jew. Pilate's religion probably was emperor worship. And therefore, they had to come up with three other things to accuse Jesus of in order to get Pilate to bite on the hook. They first of all accused Jesus of misleading the people from Galilee all the way down to here. He's subverting the nation. Then they said he was refusing to pay taxes to Caesar. And finally they said he claims to be Christ a king. Out of all three of the accusations, Pilate takes Jesus aside privately to interrogate him. And it was on that very question concerning being a king. In fact, he asked point blank, are you the king of the Jews? I find this fascinating that he actually puts it that way because when you look at the entire context of this section, there is no place where the Sanhedrin called him the king of the Jews. They said he was called Christ the king. So where would Pilate get the words king of the Jews? Even Jesus asked that question. Are you saying this on your own or did others tell you about me? In fact, I don't even recall a time when Jesus actually called himself king of the Jews. The very first time the phrase is used was actually by the Magi. Remember when they went to Jerusalem and, and to King Herod and they asked the question, where is the one born? king of the Jews. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Are you the king of the Jews? He would ask. Well, Pilate's reply when Jesus said, is this on your own or did others tell you about me? Uh, his reply simply was, am I a Jew? It was your people who brought you here. So what is it you have done? And Jesus, instead of asking Answering that question goes back to the first question. Are you the king of the Jews? And his answer was he has a kingdom, which makes him automatically a king. But his kingdom was not of this world. If his kingdom was of this world, then he would have servants who would come and fight for him so he wouldn't even be handed over by the Jews. And in other words, so he wouldn't even be captured by the Sanhedrin. If, if Jesus had a kingdom of this world, he wouldn't even be standing before Pilate. He would be standing before Pilate as one who tried to conquer. And Pilate knew he was innocent. Pilate, in fact, knew it was out of envy that they were bringing him, bringing Jesus to him. So, are you the king of the Jews? Well, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Many scholars will say then, if his kingdom is not here, a kingdom of this world, really literally a kingdom from this world. And a kingdom from this world is usually a kingdom that you can see on a map. It's been conquered and, and, it's, and it holds its power by military might. It may even, it may even extend its, its, uh, 
its property and its territory. But Jesus' territory was not seen on a man. So many take his kingdom out of this world and see it as a heavenly kingdom. Well, that would definitely be true. Because Jesus, being the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the very Son of God, who is the Son of Man, certainly rules the universe with complete authority, always to his glory, always for the glory of the church, and always for the saving of souls. But some see his kingdom, of, not of this world, as a spiritual kingdom. Well, that too would be true. Because there is Christ's kingdom here on earth in the sense that wherever Christ the king rules in people's hearts by his word, there is his kingdom. In other words, the spiritual kingdom is the church. It's the believers who gather together even around his holy name. So this kingdom reminds us, this spiritual or heavenly kingdom, and yet... He speaks of the earthly kingdom here in this section, reminds us that we do live under two kingdoms. We do have the kingdom of this world. We are citizens of this world. And we are also members and citizens of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of this world, we know from St. Paul in his letter to the Romans that all governing authorities have been established by God. And therefore, we respect being citizens in this kingdom and, and especially being citizens of the United States of America. We, we understand that, yeah, God established this kingdom and, and it is only by God's will that this kingdom exists. But we always keep in mind that the purpose of all earthly governments under God is certainly to keep people safe and secure and peace so that people don't have to live in fear. That's freedom. And we pray for that because where there is freedom, where there is safety, where there is security, there is an opportunity for the Christian church to proclaim Christ's words and the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And concerning that heavenly or spiritual kingdom, where Christ rules in people's hearts. He rules in our hearts by his holy word, and at the heart of that holy word is his law and gospel. Yes, we live under the law of God, the law that shows us of our sins and shows that we are sinful human beings who cannot save themselves. We badly need a savior. And yet that very law that is given, that moral law that is, that is given is used out of thankful love for him who has saved us. And that brings me to the gospel. Because the gospel announces how we're saved. The law cannot save us. It doesn't have the power, even though it shows us our sins. But the gospel does. The Holy Spirit works through the gospel, always testifying of Christ, calling people to faith, and strengthening us in that one true faith. It is the gospel that saves. This gospel, which is the good news of Jesus, that babe of Bethlehem that, that grew up and exchanged the manger for the cross, where he gave his life 
on the cross for the sins of the world. He won for us forgiveness. He won for us the hope of heaven. This is why we enjoy the time of Christmas as we look forward to Good Friday and especially Easter itself where we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. That's proof that sin has been paid for and proof that heaven is our home. My dear friends, the kingdom that we, that we live in, this kingdom, we live under it rejoicing and giving thanks each and every day for the blessings of eternal life and even the blessings of the country we live in. But if our government ever asks us to do something contrary to the very word of God, like the Sanhedrin did after Jesus ascended back into heaven to Peter and John, they told them to stop preaching. Peter had to reply and did. We must obey God rather than men because we cannot stop preaching and teaching what we have seen and heard. The gospel will be proclaimed to the ends of the earth and God will make it so. Are you the king of the Jews? Finally, Pilate asked him, are you a king? Well, they just got done talking about uh, having a kingdom, so he is a king. But Pilate, Pilate wanted to hear him say it directly. And Jesus did. Yes, I am a king. In fact, this is why he was born. And this is why he came into the world. He came to be a king. But not just any kind of king. He would be a unique king, a king like no other. He would be a king that would, do, would, would not simply raise an army in order to have territory and have control and have power over others. But he would be a king who would testify to the truth. In fact, he would rule by the truth. Pilate, when he heard that, basically told him what is truth. Now, in the English, it doesn't always come out in the strongest possible way, like it really does in the Greek New Testament language. See, when Jesus spoke of truth, he had the article, the truth. When Pilate spoke of truth, he had the indefinite article, which we usually translate with the letter A. So, a truth. And why is this a big deal? Well, in the Greek language, if you have the truth, the article can mean one of two things. It can mean it's referring to something previously stated, or it's referring to something specific. And understanding that Jesus was, has been witnessing the Pilate, he's clearly speaking about something specific. He's speaking of truth in an absolute sense. That's what the article says. Pilate, on the other hand, speaks of a truth, and therefore, when it's used in an indefinite sense, then it's used in the sense of, of, in a more generic way, truth. What is truth? It's relative. It's whatever you want it to be. And by the way, that kind of truth is, is out there today. Truth is what, what you want it to be. Truth is what you say it to be. It may be based on your feelings. It may be based on what someone told you. It may be based on what someone has forced you to hold to. And some will say science is the truth or a truth. 
but usually people will follow it using their own sinful reasoning. What is truth? So that begs the question, my friends, do you hold to the truth? Or do you hold to a truth? What really matters? What God says? Or what your itching ears want to hear? Or what your heart thinks you should believe and cling to? What is truth? I can tell you this, if you do not hold to the truth, as stated in God's holy word, and knowing that God is the truth, then you will be, as scripture clearly teaches, a fool. And my dear friends, do not be a fool. We are coming up to Christmas time, yes, only about five weeks away. It will be a time of great joy and people putting up the lights and house will be full maybe of cooking and it's a time to wrap the presents as we look forward to opening them. <coughs> but during this time you will hear me say and I will say it that Jesus is the reason for the season. But I can tell you this, those words mean nothing unless you understand that Jesus is the truth, not a truth. Jesus is the truth. Or another way to put it, Jesus is Christ the King. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.